This uh, service seems to be going long, but I don't care. We don't have an evening service. We're not going to go all day. You're clapping that we're not having an evening service. <laughs> I'm not going to preach a long message. I just have to say, I have to say something. I have to tell you why I stand with Israel and why every Christian needs to stand with Israel. And I, I hope that a true Bible-believing Christian is Israel's and Jewish person's best friend. I hope so. It should be for the reasons that I'm going to share with you today. But sadly, over the centuries, the Christians have been complicit and sometimes the ones doing the persecution. And we reject that. And we, we would say they, they aren't real Christians because what real Christian could possibly persecute the nation that brought us our Savior and our scriptures? Why do I stand with Israel, number one? Because they're a very special nation. If you look at Israel from a purely secular viewpoint, historians have to take notice of a people that was a powerful nation. And although historians have pushed back on that, archaeologists continue to find more and more and more evidence of the, the kingdom of Israel and of David. And, and as we are filming in Israel, we're telling the story on In Grace every week the incredible discoveries that are verifying what the Bible says. And they were a people with a nation, Jerusalem, as the capital. And they were dispersed. They came back after the time of the Assyrian and Babylonian captivities and then dispersed again in the time of Rome. The temple destroyed multiple times and it is gone today. The fact that they're back is a miracle, folks. You can't find this in history anywhere. And so we have witnessed one of the greatest miracles of all time, the return of the Jews to her homeland. And why is this so spectacular? Why is this a miracle? It's because the Bible predicted it. This book isn't just a regular book. This is the word of God. And God knows the future. And he said in Isaiah eleven twelve, he shall set upon an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And I've been to the four corners of the earth and I've seen Jewish communities everywhere. Even in India, I've seen synagogues in Ethiopia and all over the world. And today... So many have made Aliyah and have gone back, made their ascent back to Israel. I was once in a taxi and I was asking the taxi driver how long he's lived in Israel. And he said he had made Aliyah a few years ago. I said, why? Why did you come to Israel? He said, he said to me, he said, I felt like a salmon returning to the river of my birth. What drives the salmon to go back to the river of its birth? It's a mystery, isn't it? I, th I think it's God. And God is fulfilling his promise to bring them back to their eternal homeland. And so I say, when you start to study all the, the miracles that have happened, just the fact that they were given the opportunity to form a, reform a nation. And in 1948, on May 14th, in Tel Aviv, the Jewish agency chairman, David Ben-Gurion, proclaimed the state of Israel. It's miraculous, and it happened in your lifetime or your parents' lifetime, establishing the first Jewish state in 2,000 years. Hebrew was a dead language, and it's the language of the nation. 
You've heard Hebrew today in our service. The scriptures, two-thirds of our scriptures are Hebrew. They're the Hebrew scriptures. Hebrew, a language dead, is now back. But the onslaught from all the neighbors from all sides determined to annihilate the Jewish people from the river to the sea is still the chant. And there they are. They survived in 1948 against all odds. They survived in 1967 against all odds. 1973, the surprise attack, thinking that was the worst surprise attack Israel will ever face, for there's no way they would ever let that happen again until 50 years ago, 50 years to the day of the Yom Kippur surprise attack, a worse one has occurred. But they survive. They still are there. This tiny nation, less than a fifth of the size of this state. In size, it is a modern miracle predicted in the scripture. Number two, Israel is important to God. Exodus 4.22, look at the the scripture. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son. You think God has a special place in his heart for Israel? Why did God choose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It's not because they would always obey. It's not because they were just a a really great people group. I love the Jewish people. But God chose them not for any reasons that or qualities that they had. He chose them to be a light to the world and to bring us the scriptures, to bring us the Messiah. For his own reasons. We don't know exactly why, but he did. Israel is important to God, and we need to recognize that as Bible-believing Christians. Number three, Israel is going to be around forever. The Bible's very clear. The Bible that predicted them to be regathered predicts them to be around forever. Isaiah said this in 66, 22, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I shall make, I will make and shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. There is a promise of Israel remaining forever. And although I'm saddened by what happened. I'm not worried that Israel will be wiped off the map because God said they won't. Now they've gone through horrible things. And I think the Bible is clear in our Christian scriptures that the worst is actually yet to come. I'm I'm saddened to say that, but the Bible talks about the time of Jacob's trouble and it will be worse than anything they've ever seen. But we need to stand with them and and protect them, do everything we can to protect them. And I'll just tell you this. I'm, I'm saddened by the Harvard student groups, supposedly the, the greatest minds of America that would do what they've done. And, and what I heard in the Chicago City Council on Friday just disturbed me to my soul. I am still thankful that a lot of politicians, a lot of leaders, most of them, from President Biden on down to our governor, have said strong statement in support of Israel. Praise God. Can you imagine if they were going through this without America? And America usually is slow to come to Israel's side, but we have our, our warships there. Praise God. We're standing resolute. Where Secretary of State was there. Our defense secretary has been there on the ground. Our, I'm sure our, our special forces are there ready to advise and help with hostage, with American hostages. So praise God that at, at least now, for at least a week or two, the, the, our nation, our leaders are supporting Israel by and large. Praise God for that. Number four, God's glory was on display in Israel. Think about that. Think about the, the tabernacle and God's presence and the temple and God's presence on display. 
In 2 Chronicles 5.14, it tells us that. The glory of the Lord filled the house of God. And I've been there on the Temple Mount. We did an ingrace story about rebuilding the temple as the Bible predicts and Daniel predicts uh, would happen. And we went inside and filmed in the uh, Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock. And I heard uh, the anti-Semitic spewing from one of the representatives of the Waqf. And uh, we blurred his face and changed his voice, but we definitely aired that because I want everyone to know what they're saying. God's glory was on display in Israel, and we recognize that as Bible-believing Christians. Number five, God made unconditional covenants with Israel. And I'm going to give you two. Genesis 15.5 was one to Abraham. This wasn't unconditional. Now, there are conditional covenants with God and man. You know, if you serve me and you don't go after false gods and you keep the Sabbath, I'll bless you. Those are conditional but there are unconditional covenants. The Abrahamic covenant is unconditional. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord. Abraham believed in the Lord. How was Abraham saved? He believed in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. It's not by works. It's not by what we try to do. The 10 commandments were broken as God was writing them. I was on what I think is the real Mount Sinai this year in Saudi Arabia. The Ten Commandments were broken as the children of Israel were, were worshiping a false god. As Moses came down, the tablets broke. And God, in his mercy, wrote them again. So that's our problem is we break God's laws. All of us are sinners. There's no one that is righteous. No, not one. We're all full of iniquity. That's why we can't save ourselves. That's why God took the initiative to save us. But he made an unconditional covenant with Abraham. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And there was a Davidic covenant, Jeremiah thirty-three seventeen. For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want or fail to have a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And I believe in that. I, I believe that there is an everlasting covenant that God has made with Israel. And that's why I stand today with Israel with no apologies. I'm not saying Israel's always done everything right, but have we? Have we? And look at the, the things that they've always faced and, and the oppression and, and people trying to annihilate them. Annihilate them. Number six, God gave Israel the custodianship of the scriptures. As you, as you go through your Bibles, you're going to find that every author is Jewish. From the Hebrew to the Greek scriptures, every author, Jewish, folks. How can a Christian possibly be anti-Semitic? How can a Christian possibly not stand with the Jewish people and Israel who gave us this amazing book that is from God? And then the last thing, and there's more reasons, but this is the last that we have time for, number seven. Um, Jesus, Jesus, my Messiah, my Savior, Jewish born of Mary, Jewish. She had the lineage of David. She also had some uh, um, priestly blood because Elizabeth, her cousin, was uh, of, the, of the priestly line. And of course, Joseph was also of David, legal, the legal father of Jesus. In Romans 1.3, it says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. And so as the world tries to annihilate the Jewish people, 
They will never be annihilated. The skinheads, the neo-Nazis, the Iranians, the Muslim Brotherhood, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Hamas, you will never succeed in annihilating the Jewish people. And it's ungodly that you're trying. Why? Because God says so. God says that he will not cast off his people, Psalm 94, 14. For the Lord shall not cast off his people, neither, neither shall he forsake his inheritance. And God blesses those that bless Israel, Genesis 12, 3. And I want God's blessing, folks. I don't want God's cursing, I want God's blessing. And so I and we, as a congregation, and those that are watching by live stream or listening to our media programs, we stand with Israel and the Jewish people. And we don't apologize for that. And I hope if there's no one else standing, we will stand. You say, oh, you're making us a target. We're afraid. Don't be afraid. If God is on your side, what do we, be, what, what do we have to be afraid for? So Hamas attacked on Shabbat. Hamas attacked on the last day of Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was on this day that the priest would go down to the Pool of Siloam, who our friend Dr. Carl Ball helped his friend and our friend, archaeologist Eldi Shukran, find the Pool of Siloam and find uh, what, what all is there. And they've recently expanded that dig and are finding more. And the high priest would gather a pitcher of water and walk up the steps of ascent and pour that water that living water that came from the Gihon upon the brazen altar on the last day of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, to remember their wanderings. And Jesus was there in the temple. He had been there as a good Jew at every feast day. He, was, he fulfilled the law and the prophets according to Scripture. And he said in John 7, verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. Remember what the high priest is probably doing right then. He's pouring the water from the pool of Siloam onto the brazen altar. Jesus said these words, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Our world needs life, not death. Our world needs salvation, not destruction. And so it is terrible, but interesting that on the very last day of Sukkot, Jesus was saying these words that he is living water. And remember in John 4, Jesus sat on Jacob's well speaking and showing compassion on someone that wasn't like him in every way, a Samaritan. The Jews looked down upon the Samaritans. They're still Samaritans today. I've met them in Israel. We filmed with them in Israel on Mount Gerizim. And so Isaiah had predicted this in verse 2 of Isaiah 12. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Hebrew, Yeshua, my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Yeshua. And it is so that those that love Yeshua, Jesus, we need to love and stand with Israel. 
And I, for one, and my parents taught me this, and I've taught this to my children and my grandchildren, that we need salvation. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There is no hope in and of ourselves. There's peace, and, and peace is cried over and over and over, but the Bible tells us there will be no lasting peace until the Prince of Peace comes. And let me tell you what else Jesus said. He said to a very religious man, a very good man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, but one that was searching, one that was opening his, his heart to truth. He said, Jesus said to, to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, that means to trust in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what I did. I put my faith in Jesus as my savior, as the promised one predicted in scripture and fulfilled by hundreds of prophecies. And that's changed my life. And that's given me a love for my Jewish brothers and sisters. And it's given me a love for my Jewish neighbors. It's given me a love for the people of Israel. And that's why I stand with Israel because my savior, my Messiah is Jewish. And I'd like to thank anyone that is Jewish here or listening. Thank you for bringing me my Messiah.